This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. Welcome to episode 135 of Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. I have a great interview coming up with Aaron Polly of Of Mice and Men. Great new album out by those guys called Defy. And the co-host this week is the great one, the one getting all the blabbermouth hmm. love this week. That's uh, Baco. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Always a pleasure, Toomey. It's uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So a lot of stuff's been going on in the world of rock and roll this week. And uh, so we're going to talk some, uh, some Slayer. We're going to talk mm, some... Yes. Uh, some of that, that Vinnie Vincent fellow, man. If, if it wasn't for Vinnie Vincent, I would have Trump memes all over my uh, Facebook wall. So I got to say thank you, Vinnie Vincent, for, for filling my Facebook feed with all of kinds of great, great uh, content. Hey, man, that's a great point. Uh, it was a lot, of, a lot of fun, a lot of positivity, as you well you know, that to just see all this stuff from the, the Kiss Expo in Atlanta with all this Vinnie Vincent stuff going on and everybody posting and sharing and uh, mostly positive. Mostly positive, mostly positive. Speaking of mostly positive, a little bit negative, I have two uh, reviews for the podcast this week. I've kind of cut back hmm. on, uh, on, on reading the iTunes reviews, but I got a great iTunes review, and then I have a wonderful Facebook review. So we'll get into those real quick, okay. and, then, uh, and then you and I will talk about uh, We actually got to talk a little football, too. So if you're new oh to the boy. podcast, if you're tuning in for, uh. for the Mice and Men interview, uh, fast forward about 20 minutes, and we'll be done. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, King Kong Librarian on iTunes says, amazing podcast, five stars. Always excited to hear who is going to be on the show. Much love to everyone who makes the podcast the awesomeness it is. So thank you, King Kong Librarian. That was King Kong Librarian checking in from, uh, I don't know, Skull Island? or. Yeah, I was trying to think, where does King Kong live? Whatever Is that Skull Island? Skull Island. I didn't know they had a library, though. It didn't come up in any of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they got to learn somehow over there. <laughs> what else we got? All right, and now for our wonderful Facebook review. It's from Bill Wagoner. One oh, star. Bill. I know Bill. Do you know Bill? Not at all. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> he says, get a better microphone. Phil is oh. an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, in, Phil is an asshole junkie. This interview sucks. So I'm officially a podcaster now. I officially have hate, and I officially have a one-star review. So, you know... When you have Phil Anselmo on your show, you're probably going to get some some uh, some detractors, get some people upset. Got it? He got a little riled up, so so yeah. He uh, <laughs> this guy commented on like five things. Like he he was not just a uh, a rate and reviewer. He was commenting everywhere about how how Phil was an idiot. So yeah. So thank you. Bill I think um, I think Bill Wagner might be uh, 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 a pseudonym for loose cannon. Yeah. Right. Probably is loose cannon. Yes. Once again, he is not on the show. He is a... He, no, no, of course not, no. He is 
ducking me and diving me like he always does. <laughs> he's oh. got he's got so many important things to deal with, you know, family and and work. Uh, he doesn't have time for the Talk to Me podcast or to stream every minute of the Vinnie Vincent Expo. <laughs> oh, and Bill Wagner also commented on his own comments, and it also says, "Who gives a shit about Ooh. football? Great interview skills." And, you know, at first I was like, you know, who does give a shit about football? Oh, like millions and millions of people. And, like, great interview skills. I was like, yeah, I know that Phil Anselmo, the person I'm interviewing, is a huge football fan. And it's the playoffs. So I think that was a great question. And uh, it got Phil going. So, so Bill Wagner. Well, don't let him know that I just talked to Charlie Benante about coffee. Because I'll probably get a who gives a fuck about coffee. So Um, I talked to David Ellison about coffee. so, So we're in the same boat here. Okay, <laughs> but uh, you know who you know who gives a shit about football? That's me and you, Baco. Yeah. And, Absolutely, and, and, and unfortunately. Teams, you know what? I wanted to I wanted to message you the day of and the day after, and I was like, I'm gonna leave him alone because you know even the day of, day after for me, I'm still like, don't even talk to me about football. Yeah. But you know, you had a great season. You had a great. That was uh, good. Yeah. It was fun. And uh, for those listening, I'm a Minnesota Viking fan. The the one part about this whole thing that like blows my mind and and sucks for you the most <laughs> is the fact that the Super Bowl is in your town, so the team that you just lost to to go to the Super Bowl now all their fans <sighs> are coming into your city like uh, that just has to be like like salt in the wounds. And they're they're very polite fans too. They they treat the uh, incoming teams fans with just they like basically roll out the red carpet and throw beer cans at them so. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of that. Oh, there was always this video of like like throwing beers at him and, and one Viking fan, by the, unopened beers, cans. Well, one Viking fan caught one, cracked it, and slammed it and nice. said, this is how we do it in Minnesota. But the rest of them cowered and ran away. Uh, no, whatever. Honestly, the, to me, what sucks the most is that we got our ass handed to us on the side of the football. We're supposed to never get our ass handed to us. I wasn't surprised that that defense shut our team down. I was surprised that that offense, that Nick fucking Foles, torched my team for 30, 31 points. Uh, the other seven was on an interception return on a Case Keenum pass. Oh, my God. What a – that was difficult. I almost – I don't know. I was telling you off the uh, earlier before we started here that I almost would have preferred like a missed field goal ending or something. Something close. Something to keep it entertaining, not to make me wish that I hadn't started drinking so early because now I'm hungry. Yeah, my Titans lost uh, lost pretty bad to the Patriots. And so by yeah, like, so, I guess. So roughly around it is similar, so, isn't it, huh? So roughly around halftime, I was already like, ah, you know, good season, moving on. What can you do? I didn't your Titans go into that game like a 10-point underdog? Uh, four, we were three-point favorites. Yeah, 14-point. <laughs> it's just... Again, our defense was our strength. We just, I get giving up that like 24, 23 points to the Saints or whatever that was. But the fucking Eagles and Nick Foles, what the hell? What a just garbage offense. I mean, lose that game 14 to 12 and I'm okay. But lose it 38 to 7 with an offensive just outburst ass kicking. Let's call it what it is. 
just embarrassing. But uh, yeah, my mom called me and she was super worried that like I was like on a ledge somewhere in <laughs> downtown St. Paul, ready to end it all. It, it doesn't matter that much, uh, but. Uh, what a disappointing end of the season, but you're right. It was a good season. Nope. I don't think any of us expected this with uh, Case Keenum, you know, so. So, actually, our wins before the losses were amazing. Like, my Titans oh, come back against the Chiefs, against Chris Sinzak's Chiefs was amazing. And then the the uh, 61 yard to Stefan Diggs for your Vikings, you know, two of mm. the, uh, the more fantastic games of the playoffs. And then we could turn around and just get spanked in the next game, so. <laughs> and you know what? And and right back at you, I thought about you know texting you during the game. I'm like, I'm just gonna leave it alone because I would hate that. I mean, the, the game wasn't going good for you early on, and then uh, once once it was won, you got a text from me. So yeah, and, and from you too with the digs thing. So well, yeah. What was funny about the uh, the, the Chiefs game is I was getting texts from people I haven't talked to in ten years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was like, oh man, what a game, what a game. And the whole the whole game, which was funny, is since. Zach and I were, were messaging back and forth. Oh, cool. And uh, he was, you know, he was, he had already given up, you know, in the first quarter. And I'm like, you know, I'm congratulating him at halftime. I'm like, good game, good season, blah, blah, blah. And he's writing back like, man, I've seen this one too many times. You guys still have a chance. And I'm like, we have no chance. We don't come back from stuff like this. And, you know, we score a touchdown. He's like, see, I told you, you're coming back. I'm like, nah, man, you guys still got this. Like, it was it was the, the, the oddest Two people, two sports fans talking to one another. Like I'm trying to congratulate him. He's telling me that I still have a chance, and I'm like, "There's no way." I'm like, "You guys are going to the Super Bowl," and yeah, it, it was fun, man. But he, uh, you know, good guy. And speaking of Chris Senzak, he got to live a dream this weekend, man. I was, I, I was, oh happy, yeah, happier for him than most people uh, for getting to go down and meet the one and only Vinny Vincent. Yeah, as far as like pride in someone, he was the only one I was even you know concerned with. No offense to Aaron Camaro, he's always been a good defender of, of Vinny Vincent. Something I think we forgot to talk about on our show. But you know, Sinzak has been you know a bit of a champion. Unlike uh, you know some podcasts that talk about coins and how many sides they have, he actually was a guy who is like talking about. Vinny as a, a, a contributor, an artist, and has kind of waved the flag for him, you know, almost like a sports fan. So I was very happy to see him get the autograph, you know, and, and come with live through him. And, you know, because, you know, we both know him and yeah. have met him. And it's it's, it's kind of nice to just feel good for somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. And it's, you know, I mean, even the Decibel Geek podcast is kind of based on Vinnie Vincent. You know, it was kind of created on sort of, yeah. On, on, you know, on the interviews and stuff that that Chris had for the book that he was gonna gonna write about Vinnie and a lot of those early episodes and a lot of the stuff that kind of put him on the map. You know, him being Chris Inzak and 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 them being the the Dust Boogie podcast is is all of the early Vinnie Vincent specials and things like that. And you know, we all love the the Vinnie Vincent specials and and so. Hmm. Yep. And and I think that you know he he. He definitely waved the Vinnie Vincent flag for all these years and kind of even got me back interested in, like, wonder what ever happened to Vinnie Vincent and, and all of that <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, so I give a huge credit to Vin, or to, uh, to Chris Sinzak for, for kind of keeping Vinnie's name out there for as long as he has and then, then to watch, like, the videos of, uh, you know, Chris getting his poster signed and all that stuff. I can't yeah. wait for the, uh, for the recap video of that or the recap. Oh, me episode. too. Looking forward to it. Uh uh, you know, I, I've said a couple of times on our podcast that uh, while I, I think 
Stinzak deserves this more. I, I thought at heart I was a more natural, actual fan of Vinny. I don't think that anymore. I saw the poster he took down there, and I'm like, well, I would never buy something <laughs> like that. He made the trip, and it, clearly I wouldn't do something like that. Uh, so uh, well, I've now passed the baton in my head. So Don't give him too much credit. Atlanta is only like four hours from Nashville, so don't even... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still a four-hour. I, I guess I would have made a four-hour trek. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but no, I'm just saying. You know, he he. Uh, you know, I I just want to be polite and pass the baton to uh, uh, Chris. I I am no longer consider myself an, a bigger actual fan. Although I thought he was a bigger contributor to uh, Vinny's career the last 15 years than anything I've done. So. Yeah, and I'm curious to see because Chris commented on a couple things and people asking him if. You know, does Vinny know who you are? And Chris outright said yes, and uh, it'll be in the recap. So I'm kind of curious to see the the or hear the interaction that they had, and uh, and see what happens there. And I've ever, I think, you know, I don't know if I've ever told the story on this podcast of my connection to Vinny Vincent. And it, and it's the weirdest, most bizarre connection to a person that I can think of. But my my cousins who got me into Kiss. When I was eight, nine, ten years old, I was probably eight or eight or nine. I loved Kiss Me's the Fam of the Park, and and I loved the makeup era, even though it was you know eighty seven or eighty eight, I think at the time. And uh, and so you know when you're a kid, you guys you, you do stupid stuff, and so they assigned a Kiss member to all the cousins, and so like the oldest was Gene, the next one down was Paul, you know, in in age order chronological order of birth and okay. so and so i'm the sixth cousin so i was vinnie vincent as a kid <laughs> and uh and so i bought all those vinnie vincent invasion albums and like that was my dude i was like you know i took on the, the i was i was the original decibel geek at uh <laughs> at eight nine ten years old and uh so so i always had an, had an affinity for vinnie vincent and then, um, and then actually growing up in Tennessee, I know I've told this story, but, uh, but one time when I was going to pick up some band t-shirts that I had made for my first band in the late 90s, um, the people working at the place was like, you're in a band, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, have you ever heard of Vinnie Vincent? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you just missed him. He was here like 10 minutes ago, like picking up some and stuff. This is where? This was in Tennessee when I lived down there. Um, in Nashville or, yeah. or like a different city? No, it was in Nashville. It was, uh, okay. you know, and uh, he, I guess Vinny had got some shirts done. That would have been 97-ish. But yeah, so so there was, a, there was a, I missed Vinny Vincent by like 10 minutes uh, 20 years ago. Oh, cool. All right. Um, uh, when that record came out, that was like, of course, pre-internet. And of course, Circus and Hit Parader were like three months behind. I found that record just on, like, I don't know, some fucking family trip with my stepmom to a different town. And I don't even know what mall it was. I just know it wasn't anyone I've been to since or before. They had a record store in there. I went in there, and I, they had the new David LaRoth, Eat Him and Smile, and the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And I decided that uh, Vinnie's record was the one I was going to beg my dad for money for. What can I do to make you give me $7 right now? Um, and, boy, listening to that record, I... I mean, I just wrote about it on Decibel Geek, but I wasn't even sure I liked it. I, di I didn't know what I was listening to. Uh, it, it was just so different, even for the time. And it's like, 
It's an amazing album. So many hooks, so many melodies, and it, people don't realize just how aggressive that record sounded. You know, if you don't like the singer, you're not going to like the album. But man, Vinny's connection with with melody and hook is just almost unrivaled. Yeah, he's definitely a great songwriter, and even even with the Kiss stuff, I mean, fuck, Unholy is quite possibly one of my favorite Kiss songs. It's at least top oh, five. We're you know? right there, yes, yeah. I wouldn't say top five for me, but I go a little deeper than you. But yeah, I love the tune. Lick It Up is, for me, the 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 pinnacle of the non-makeup stuff. And, you know, Creatures has its moments. I, I like it a lot, I just, but I think Vinny added a lot to that, too. I'm kind of curious to where they go from here, because you've kind of, like, the mythology is kind of gone now. You know, he's back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... It's like if you saw Bigfoot. If is like, he though? If like if like Bigfoot walked out one day, was like, "Hey, here I am," and you're like, "Oh, okay," like what's well, next? I'll, I'll share <laughs> share one thing with your show that I that I didn't put on ours, and that is, uh, you know, as much as it was great to see Vinny come out, and it, it really was kind of cool, and uh, and to see it mostly be positive. But we both know there was plenty of negative. That was being said about his appearance and, and, you know, all this other nonsense. But the point that I'm trying to get to is that I didn't, again, I wasn't there. So let's get that out there. But from all the videos that I saw of him talking and listen to him, there's still a level of like almost bullshit to a lot of stuff he says. And I didn't walk, come away convinced that he has the mental uh, capacity to deal with trolls on the internet. And I worry that as much as this was a positive thing for a lot of people, that the negativity might actually get him running back into his shell. And I give you that. I think that that he was kind of, if he's truly not on the internet, which is what he says. We all know his bullshit, right. yeah. But he was in Atlanta. He might not have a Twitter account, but... Uh, <coughs> he was in Atlanta at a KISS convention. So... 99.99% of the people there are going to be Kiss fans, are there mm-hmm. for him, and kind of be in his corner. So you're, you know, there was, what, 900 tickets sold for the Saturday and 100, you know, okay. give or take, or whatever, for the for whatever other day. So, I mean, you know, basically around 1,000 people that kind of have your back and are happy to see you. But there's millions of people online just tearing him apart, him or her, however you want to look at it. Online, yeah, but and to my what I was saying there, that's kind of normal with anything, especially if you're somebody who's you know been away for so long, especially if you're somebody who's going to come out looking a lot different than you used to look. A lot of people are going to focus on things that might drag you down. If if you're not mentally equipped to just go, fuck it, those are just trolls on the internet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, And I'm just not convinced that he is. I hope that he is because I'd rather have him out there being comfortable with who he is, doing what he wants, and just you know continuing to create and and just enjoy this because you have a lot of fans. Fuck the haters, honestly. But I'm just I didn't. Everything I saw, I just didn't walk away with the idea that he is really equipped to do that. Well, let's hope I'm wrong. And I, and I posted this online. And, I, and if, if in 1995, Ace Freely disappeared, or Gene Simmons disappeared, or P- even Peter Chris disappeared, and then showed up today looking the way they do now, I think, <laughs> yes. I think we would all flip out. But we've, we've watched their progression over the years turn into these old men that they are now. Yeah. And, you know, Vinny might look a little bit worse, a little bit more haggard, but, I mean, I don't know. 
if he's, I don't know. He does a good job with the makeup. I think his, uh, he, he had nice I, heels. I, I don't even mean that as a shot. I mean, like, if this is who you are and you're comfortable and you're smiling, my lord, have a good time. Right. <laughs> but you, you're right. I mean, to me, the one thing that that stuck out was that he was a bit overweight. Yeah, the weight he did was look like. Worse. He did look like a guy who, well, worse, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I, I could lose a few pounds to me. I, I'm just saying that was the first thing that stuck out to me. Uh, it looked like he had plastic surgery, too, but after I saw more and more posts, it, I don't know that I think that. It's just the age on the face. Well, uh, another thing, too, is I, I, saw, matter, though. I saw another post of that uh, mug shot from, you know, whenever, how many years ago that was. <laughs> yeah, and he really 2011. Doesn't, he doesn't really look much different than the mug shot, so I don't know what everyone was expecting. His hair looks more real now than it did back then. That looked like a wig in the mug shot. Now, it did look like it, there's at least a shot that's his hair and he dyes it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I did see today Again. where, where uh, Sinzak reposted the uh, Nashville Kiss Expo, and they've They've put up a, a V on the the uh, on their yeah. head on their headline. So I guess he's going to do more of these. Maybe he he enjoyed the uh, you know the payday. I'm sure that was a six figure payday for him. And then who uh, are you thinking? No, come on, a thousand people. <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm thinking. I'm thinking six. I, figure. I'm thinking like right at like the the sixth figure. Like not like you know not half a million. But I'm thinking I'm thinking that was a hundred thousand dollars. That's that's my yeah, guess. Yeah, boy. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I but guess. That, but uh, I mean, if it, if the cap was a thousand people, then maybe not. But uh, but yeah, it was. I I, I don't see him I getting. Mean, I guess a hundred bucks a head isn't that unrealistic. You know, plus all. I of mean, the, uh, the VIPs were two fifty. Uh, you know, maybe you're in the ballpark. Who knows? Uh, the, talk to Michael Butler. He was very concerned with how much he got paid. Yeah, I mean that was my guess too. That that was just a guess I threw out there, but but uh, but yeah, the you don't think he got paid in pantsuits? Mm, he might have. I don't know. Did he? Okay. It seemed like he probably wore the same pantsuit every day. So maybe yeah. he got a <laughs> got a three for one deal or something. Or he likes one pantsuit and wants to throw. He wants enough of them to throw it away each day. No laundry. It's funny. I was trying to show uh, show my wife. A photo of Vinny now, and I was trying, you know, yeah. kind of having this conversation about the, his appearance now it changed, and I pulled up a, a shot of him from the '80s, and he looked like a just a young girl in the '80s too. So it's not like you couldn't really be like, well, look how much he changed. Like not like he was masculine in the '80s, and he he turned sure. into a, no. To he's a, always been a bit effeminate. So, yeah. but you know, I'm glad for uh, I'm glad for a lot of the Kiss fans out there. I'm definitely glad for Chris Sinzak uh, that that he got to meet the Almighty. Uh, Vinny Vincent, I do believe that uh, this recap episode will be the last Decibel Geek episode ever uh, because they really have nothing else to talk about now. Whoa. <laughs> I do hope that Vinny uh, focuses on the positive and realizes that the Internet is full of people that will say shit about anybody. I took a picture of myself with my cat in my backyard. I put it on Imager, and seven people commented that I've never heard of him. Two of them were negative, and one made fun of my ankles. In other words, Vinny, people just just want to hate, yeah. even when you take a picture with your cat. The internet is a very, very tough place to be. Well, if you're not willing to deal with it in the proper way, it can be. In the most part, whatever. Fuck the people that want to talk shit. Engage them if you feel like it, but understand you're, you, where you're going. I don't mind poking trolls once in a while. 
Nice. And the other big uh, story this week was uh, Slayer's next uh, upcoming tour cycle, upcoming world tour will be their last. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're a, you're a big Slayer fan, right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, one of my top five. Maybe one of your big four? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. Top five. Top five. For I will sure. definitely... Uh, uh, I definitely love Slayer. I've always loved Slayer. Um, I've seen them tons of times over the years live. Last time I saw them live, we didn't actually make it through the entire show. I was just like, ugh. It, it just wasn't that good. Um, I definitely will oh, go. Oh, really? Uh, when was see, that? Uh, like two years ago. It was a uh, lot of the um, life. Okay, so the, the I saw them on that tour, uh, right of the Repentless tour, and they I couldn't believe how good they were because, you know, it's at that point you don't have uh, – uh, oh, Jeff Hanneman or um, Dave Lombardo. Oh, wait, my, Dave Lombardo. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I was really impressed with uh, the Exodus guy again. Why am I name farting all this stuff? <laughs> and of Gary course, Holt. Paul Bostoff. Yeah, yeah, Gary Holt and Paul Bostoff. See, I don't like uh, Paul Bostoff. I, I don't like the way he plays the Slayer song. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hater on Paul. I, I love Dave Lombardo though. I love. Yeah, I prefer Dave. So. You know, this being the last time, last tour. Yeah. Can you believe it? I'm always dubious on this crap, and I don't. I haven't heard their their official breakdown. Is this like uh, we'll, we might record, we might do one off shows, or are they saying this tour is done, we're done? Well, from what I can tell, from everything I've ever heard, is Tom Araya is he's been done for a long time. Uh, this is like Carrie pushing Tom out on stage every night, basically. I mean, hell, <laughs> hell Tom looks like a old St. Nick up there with his big old gray beard. And, you know, he, he Gr- just, gross I know he's, beard. He, he's got the, you know, he had the neck surgeries and stuff, so he can't really get into it and headbang like he used to. So he's just kind of like just up there jamming the whole time. And, and it kind of looks like a, like a Grateful Dead show, you know, for him, from his angle. Well, we've seen plenty of bands do this. Uh, I know my answer, but do you think Carrie could just slap that name on a, a lineup that only includes him? I don't think so. I think that. I mean, yeah, me why? Well, I think he could. Don't get me wrong, but I'm. I, so, I well, no, yeah, would. would he? I guess is a better. And then, how successful would it be? I mean, it, we we've seen other bands do this stuff, so I don't know. He did say Carrie did say that he would. Uh, continue on doing something else so maybe well, it's- so did kim thale when soundgarden broke up and then until they got back together he did nothing so i'm not sure what carrie king can do besides uh slayer do you yeah if you just put carrie king's slayer experience up there i mean what are you going to get or 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 just the name carrie king alone what does that draw you know slayer is a is a is one of the most iconic brand names in this business yeah, and but but what does Carrie King offer to the casual fan? Like, I really like Slayer. You know, you go to see Ace Frehley do a solo show. You know, you're gonna hear a lot of the Ace Frehley songs and hear some Kiss. What the fuck could 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 Carrie King do? Like, start a, like uh, I don't know uh, a band like uh, uh, the Rage Against the Machine did with Audio Slave. I mean, <laughs> or he he can be the one guy joining somebody who needs a guitar player. I just don't see it. Yeah, it's a tough thought. Uh, just a, uh, trying to think about what Kerry would do, and and would he continue on with, uh, you know, Gary Holt, and and you know, wh- what about Paul Bostoff? Maybe What's he could Paul join Bostoff? Exodus. <laughs> yeah, Gary. Yeah, King. Paul, Paul Bostoff will quit and join 
20 bands like he's always done. That's his MO, you know. He is the Eric Singer of thrash metal. Let's let's be honest here. But yeah, I mean when Slayer comes around and and the other thing on this tour, you know, it, it's a pretty stacked bill. I mean, you basically got Slayer, Lamb of God, oh yeah, Anthrax, Behemoth and Testament and from all all accounts it looks like Testament is the opening band. So I mean, if you got a five band bill and Testament's your <laughs> opener, Jesus Unreal. Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the only thing I could see is Flip Flop and Testament Behemoth, but honestly, I think they got it right the top 3. Oh, sure, yeah, but I'm just saying that's a great bill. I mean, I don't even want to see Behemoth. That's why I'm like, yeah, bucket, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think but I saw, I'll be there. Yeah. I saw them once I think in like 2005 and you know, they were uh, in, in I've never gotten into them. Maybe I should. Maybe people talk highly of them. Maybe I should yeah, give them a knows. chance. But, but yeah, it's going to be a stacked bill, and definitely as soon as they get close, close, uh, close by, I definitely will have to go and check it out. But uh, speaking of checking some stuff out, let's get into our uh, Rob's pick from the kit, and then we will talk to Aaron Polly from of Mice and Men. So uh, so yeah, let's check out Rob's pick from the kit. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera from the band Nonpoint, and this is Rob's Pick from the Kit. Uh, This week, I'm going to pick the band Slayer. And the reason I'm picking the band Slayer, I just read about five minutes ago that their next tour is going to be their final tour. And it's a sad day, seeing that a couple days before I read that Rush was basically done. Uh, Alex Lifeson uh, did an interview and said they were done. Now we have Slayer being done, <clears throat> excuse me, and sad day for Thrash, uh, one of the big fours checking out. Uh, 35 years that band has giving, uh, given this the most brutal, brutal music you could ever think of, and the song I'm picking today is the song Chemical Warfare from their Haunting the Chapel EP, which is the very first Slayer song that I ever heard. I was in high school at the time. And when they started, uh, well, when the drums came in, it was just like, wow. It's one of those moments that you actually cannot believe what you're listening to. And then I just kept following Slayer all the way up to Seasons in the Abyss. I kept following, but not as closely as before. But up until then, every single Slayer release was like... Uh, had to be bought I had to buy it and I own them all on vinyl right now which makes me very happy and Slayer to me uh, owns the most brutal recording ever recorded with Rain and Blood I would have picked a song from there but since I had heard Chemical Warfare first I figured I'd you know put that one out and um, a couple other Slayer stories I mean the first time I saw them live was at the channel in Boston I believe it was and they were doing a small guerrilla show like a small secret show they did eight shows before seasons in the abyss came out or south of heaven I'm not sure which one which record cycle it was I, it was 1990 so I'm not really sure what album actually came out at that time but they started with rain and blood and they brought in a PA system and this thing was so fucking loud I mean the pit was brutal it, what an experience to be able to see Slayer in a small, intimate setting, even though the channel was a big place. 
but it was a smaller venue than what they're used to playing and the energy in that place like i'm surprised we even got tickets to get into the show but it was a brutal show and one of those shows that i'll never forget many shows that i saw at the channel in my one year and a half of living in boston massachusetts i saw quite a few shows there and that was that ranks as one of the top five and to me it doesn't need to be about production or anything it's just about the performance and, and at that time, you know, they had the original lineup. Lombardo was just beastly. And um, just an amazing show. The next time I caught them, uh, I think it was at the Orpheum in Boston. There was them in Testament. And I didn't see them for quite a while. So I got to Florida. I saw them with uh, Machine Head and Biohazard. Then um, I think one of the last times I saw them was in Australia. When we were touring in Australia at Soundwave. Uh, Dave Lombardo's drum track, uh, Norm Costa is a good friend of mine, and he let me sit behind Lombardo, so I watched an entire Slayer set behind Dave Lombardo, watching him play, and just in awe, this guy's 50 years old, and just completely crushing it, just so mind-blowing, and anyway, um, enjoy this track, this is one of the OG Slayer tracks, uh, very one, I think one of the very, I don't know if Haunting the Chapel is the first thing you released or Show No Mercy. I really need to get up on my history here. But check it out. This is Chemical Warfare.
guys we have aaron polly from of mice and men on the line man how you doing doing very well man how about you i'm good i'm good <laughs> the uh the new album defy is out now and uh i don't get to get to talk to a lot of people a few days after the release normally you talk to them a few days or a few weeks before the release but man it seems like the the, re- the reviews and all of the fans are loving this man I'm, I'm happy for you guys man it feels so great you know honestly making this record having come off the year that we had, I mean, years, you know, plural that we had, you know, like 2016 into 2017, like it was, uh, I don't know, man, it feels good. It feels just kind of like we held our breath for a really long time and finally exhaled. Yeah. I was, uh, a Facebook ad popped up on my Facebook today for the new album. So I was like, let me click on these comments and see what the people are saying. The, the internet is a cesspool of negativity and everybody on this uh, comment thread was excited, excited, loving the new album. I was really surprised. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know what? Like, the older I get, the less any of that negativity bothers me. And the more, as anytime we can put out anything and it sparks a healthy debate amongst our fans or amongst amongst people who consider themselves, you know, in the music community, well, then we're doing our jobs. I think if we put out something that's kind of lukewarm, where everyone goes. Yeah, that's okay. Like, nobody really talks about those kinds of albums. So for us, we always kind of make sure that we knowingly do some stuff that's going to get the uh, the haters talking, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to be loved or hated. You definitely don't want to be like, meh, you know, whatever. <laughs> you yeah. You don't yeah, want to okay. be in the middle. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I don't really care if I miss the show or not. You do, You definitely don't want to be that band. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? How are you handling? You know, taking over the lead spot in this band. It's it's your story. You know, it's one of my favorites in music right now. And uh, how are you enjoying like taking kind of taking over the lead the lead uh, vocals of the band? Oh, it's been awesome. You know, it was um, it, it was definitely a little bit of a change because before, you know, Austin and I, um, since I've been in the band, have pretty pretty evenly split the vocal duties. And then when we would work on writing the albums, you know, we would either work on them, we would either work on the songs sitting side by side, or 
he and I would piece out certain songs that we would work on um, independently. And then once we kind of had a little bit more of a vision for it, we'd bring it to each other and then kind of fill in the pieces, you know? And so not having, not having that, this record in him, I had that in my bandmates, you know, I had that in Alan and I had that in Phil and I had that, uh, especially in Tino, you know, being able to, um, you know, work on something or draft something up and then to be able to show it to my guys and be like, all right, guys, what do you think? You know, I think always kind of having that, um, always kind of having that conversation and always kind of having that feedback. It's kind of like playing tennis. You know, you can get really good if you're playing up against a wall, but as soon as you get, but as soon as, but as soon as you get somebody that goes on the other side of the court, you know, now you're playing a game, you're actually getting somewhere with it. Was uh, was Austin at all involved in this album at all, or did he? Uh, were you guys showing him stuff, or or is he just completely out of the picture? No, he. We started working on stuff a couple months after he had told us that he was leaving, and he'd already moved out of the country by then. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the band, but I'm not like a insane fan of the band, so I don't know. Like I'm I'm a little bit older than you guys, so I'm like you know I'm I'm digging it, but I'm not like 15, so I don't have all day to to research of mice and men and. You know, <laughs> I feel you. And so when you first came on my radar, I was digging the band. You know, it could have even been before you were in the band, and then and then when the uh, the um, would you still be there single came out, it completely changed like my view of the band, and it it, it just goes to show you how one song can. All, all it takes is one song. I mean, I guess that's what I'm getting at. And with that one song, man, that just completely, I think, changed the path of the band. Man, that's so crazy. It's funny because I'm, I'm sitting on the same couch that I was sitting on when I wrote that song. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because I'm sitting in my living room in my little one bedroom apartment. And I'm <laughs> and it's so funny because like when you say that, I remember I remember that. And I remember writing that thinking like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like. I can't wait to hear how this is fleshed out. (laughs) And then it's something, you know, and then years down the line, it becomes this thing where, you know, we, it's a staple in our set, you know, like we were today, we were putting together a set for a headliner and we were kind of thinking of our albums and thinking of the songs. And it's crazy how a song like that can become a staple, but it's not really on any part of us. You know, it's, it's because fans like such as yourself hear that song and then, make that something that becomes a staple for us oh yeah i mean when that song came out that was heavy rotation and 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 your voice is like right there in my limited range to sing with in the car so like i was Ah, was belting it out you know even the new album like there's some hooky ass choruses on it and i'm already like you know singing along in the car my range is is very very limited but i I think you we we sit in the pocket together on that one um that's that's awesome I think I think what that kind of did though with that one song and kind of getting back to that I think what it did is it kind of ushered in what you're doing now because as a casual of Mice and Men fan going into I saw you guys open for uh, Bring Me the Horizon on that tour like I think the single had just kind of hit and you guys were out touring with them I saw it in Tennessee and it kind of threw me off that Austin's up there too and you you're singing like 95% of the song and he's there and you're like who's really the singer of this band it was kind of confusing going, oh, okay, there's a screamer in the band, too, or something. And, and now I think with Austin stepping down, I think it actually, you know, opens up the, uh, the, the possibilities for the band. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the, that's one of the most unfortunate things, I think, about the music scene or, or about having come from such a, 
kind of niche place in the heavy music world, you know, like with regards to the scene, with regards to kind of, you know, the underground warp tour scene, if you will, as compared to like, you know, what I would call the radio or festival market or anything like that. Um, you know, we just loved making music. So we never really thought too much about those kinds of things, you know, and then as soon as all of that kind of started coming to the forefront of our attention, when people start saying things like that, we're like, well, we're just musicians. Like, you know, like, um, yeah. Imagine if you, if you're going to the concert blind and you have, you know, or you close your eyes, like, is the music there? Yeah. Okay. Well then like, I think people put too much importance on what they think visually they need to be seeing or whatnot, but that's, that's funny that you say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I have two theories on the Pink Floyd cover and I'm going to see if either are right. (laughs) All right. The main one is, you're jamming that at practice, that bass line or the or the the main riff, and everyone kind of picks it up and goes, "Hey, you know, actually that would probably be a fun cover," or uh, or you guys actually are just huge Pink Floyd fans and want to bring that out. Like I, I don't know which one uh, which one to go with. So the answer is neither of those. <laughs> how how it really came about was was we were sitting at the studio one day. We were sitting in the courtyard, and. Um, I remember like the, the engineering staff had got there, Howard had got there. We were listening through some stuff and we were kind of just commenting on, you know, the time, the timetable, like where we were at in the schedule versus how much time we had left to continue making the record. Now we were like three and a half weeks into a six week record and a majority of the instrumental was already done and recorded for the record and was being edited. Um, I'd started on maybe two or three vocals. So we were like, we were making such good time at that point that Howard Benson, our producer, he had suggested that we work on more material. And we were just, we weren't really, for us, we were kind of thinking, okay, well, the album as a body of work is kind of there. Like, we don't really, like, I don't really know what I would add to that. You know, he kind of suggested that we add a ballad. So that kind of, that that became If We Were Ghosts on the record, which is the last song on the record. Um, which was a culmination of a bunch of different ideas that Tino had made sampling. And then Tino and I'd sat with an acoustic guitar and kind of fleshed the song out. But going back to money, he said, uh, and, you know, since we have just studio time, like we might as well, like, if you guys want to think of a cover, just do a cover. It'd be fun. So we weren't really even thinking about the record. And literally the first thing I blurted out was Pink Floyd's money because it was kind of like a like a real life shit post, <laughs> and I knew exa- and I knew and I knew exactly the reaction I was gonna get from uh, from my bandmates when I said that. But that kind of that kind of eyebrow raise, head turning, you know, kind of poke, I guess. Like that's we we enjoy doing that as a band. You know what I mean? Like if there are two ideas, and one makes you go, "Yeah, that's sick," and the other makes you go what the hell? Like, that's the one we're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the, the more fun we can have with it and, you know, and, and, and yeah. And so then we ended up doing it. We ended up finishing it in literally like a day. I think we, we did that song in a day, a day and a half maybe. And then it was just, I don't know. We just enjoyed it so much. And, you know, if you, if you're a signed band and you want people to hear music, you create like, there's not really a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of avenues for you to just release music for us to just say, Hey, let's just drop a song somewhere, you know, because there's contracts and there's things like that where it's not, it's not like the SoundCloud rap scene where it's like, Oh, new song, drop it, new song, drop it. 
which I'm so envious of sometimes. But so for us, you know, we wanted people to hear the Pink Floyd cover. It's something that we definitely intend on playing at festivals and at shows and stuff for fun. So we just figured, you know, what the hell, throw it on the record. Yeah. Just throw it on there. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's going to be more of a head turner than if you guys did like Master of Puppets or something, you know, like that's the, you know, Pink Floyd's uh, money is way outside the box. But honestly, I think it works. Even in the flow of the record, I was like, you know, this actually works. Like, it sounds good. You know, it's actually got a really cool groove to it. And I think it'll, I think it'll, it'll go over well live. And, and all of the uh, grandparents that take their, uh, that take their grandkids to your shows are going to enjoy it. Oh yeah. And you know, for us, like it's, it, it's always fun. Like I tell, I tell younger people that ask about it. Cause it's usually, it's usually people that are our age or older. Like we kind of understand cover music because we were from an age where you didn't really have the internet to just learn songs. So when we were teens and when we were kids, we learned other people's songs and that's kind of how we learn songwriting and learn uh, musicianship, you know? And so like, it's always kind of fun. I tell people, you know, covering songs ends up kind of being like its own masterclass in songwriting because you really get to kind of break down other people's work and see the way other people attack certain things and the way that people work lyrically and dynamically and melodically. So it's always fun covering stuff from the past, you know, and we are big Pink Floyd fans. So I, I think, think if, so. if you want to be, yeah. I always think it's funny when you break down a song that you love and then you realize just how easy it is. You're like, you mean that was that simple the whole time? Oh yeah. And you know, we come, we come from a scene and we come from this part of, of, you know, heavy music subculture that says like, it's always got to be boundary pushing and it's always got to be, uh, you know, it's, it's, you got to bring something new to the table. And it's like, you know, when you kind of break down some of your favorite songs, you realize, okay, it's just a really good message. <laughs> and it's, and it's just a really good set of chords and melodies. And it's, you know, you can, you can get kind of convoluted and kind of lose the song, you know? the more you kind of try to doctor it up or make it, I don't know, more complicated than it needs to be. Well, I want to dive into you a little bit. <laughs> it came out really weird, but, uh, um, dive into me, <laughs> you know, the whole, uh, you know, you're a very rare breed of bass player vocalist. You know, there's not a lot out there. I was trying to think of it uh, the last couple of days getting ready for this. And, uh, I came up with Tom Mariah of Slayer, uh, the dude from like all American rejects, and, uh, man, I've, I had one more, I can't remember, but yeah, I mean, it's like, like, like a bass player vocalist is, is few and far between. And, um, I mean, were you a bass player that is a singer or a singer that plays bass? I guess is the question. Originally I was a guitar player that sang, and then I became just a singer in my old band. And then in this band, it was, this is, it's funny because of Mice and Men five and a half years ago, that was the first time I'd ever played bass in a band. Oh, wow. You know, bass is something. Bass is something that I'd always uh, dabbled in. Like I was very, very fortunate growing up to know a lot of really good bass players, and so I would always, you know, I, I would be playing. I would be in bands with these guys, um, and just seeing how different. You know, if you have a really good bass player and you're a guitar player, you see exactly how different the instruments are. And it's really easy to go, okay, well, it's the same tuning. Just play, you know, if the, if, the, if the guitar is playing a chord on three, then just pluck three, you know, and it's, it's such a different instrument. And I think being a singer, it's especially fun to be the bass player because I can melodically drive the song. Even if guitars decide they're going to play, um, 
you know, let's say that the guitars are going to play an E, for example, I can play a G over that, you know, or I could play a C under it, or I could play an A on top of it. You know, there's like, and I can kind of control the way that the song moves and then thus control the way the song feels. So I'm in control. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bass players are always in control. So we, we know that. For- Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's why people started bass jokes. That's why people started doing that, because you just had to, you know, we're on fire. That's right. We are on fire. <laughs> Listen, world. <laughs> Aaron and I are coming for you. Um, <laughs> so so you being not a tr- traditional bass player growing up and, you know, dreaming of being Cliff Burton or whatnot. I mean, are you are you ever or do you think about, you know, getting a bass player in the band and you just being a standalone vocalist? Mm, not really. I think I'd miss it too much. You know, like that was when I fronted my last band, that was something I always missed. And literally at every single opportunity where I could say, Hey, I'll play guitar or like, I'll play bass or like, you know, and like every time that would happen, I would suggest it. Oh, okay. Well, he can't do the tour. I'll, I'll play guitar. Like, no, you gotta be the front. And I'll go. Okay. So, like, and now, and now I have gear and I have bases. Like I, I'm, I'm deep. You know what I mean? I got to keep doing it. You have to get at least one of your, your road crew that can play bass and you can kind of just throw it to him, you know, for a song or two a night, kind of one of those deals. Yeah, actually my tech, Justin, before I was in the band did the band's April, 2012 UK and European tour. He did bass for that while I was still like learning all the songs. So he's off to the side like the entire time still kind of going, that was me. That was once me. <laughs> no, no, he's so retired. I always try to, I always try to bring him back into it. And he's like, no, no, I'm retired now. So maybe for the, maybe for the reunion, but there you go. we'd have to break up first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the reunion though, I mean, looking at the, uh, the members of this band, I mean, you could do a, a conglomerate of uh, former members of the band. If you got them all together in one room. Hell yeah, absolutely. It was crazy. I, you, and, and what's so funny too is like I was looking, I was on Wikipedia the other day. I don't remember what the hell I was looking at or what band, but I was just kind of going through and it's like, man, it, it. so many bands have so many member changes and it's just like, it's one of those things that it's such, especially nowadays like this, it's not an A, it's not an easy lifestyle. B, it's definitely not an easy career. Um and it's 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 funny. I think music. Uh, I don't know where the hell I was going with that. I just completely lost that train of thought. That train derailed. Well, I think uh, it's I, I, you know one thing that you're kind of going with there is the the uh, the uh, what is it? The, man, now I can't think. Um, the romantic notion of four dudes when they're 15 getting together in a garage and then becoming Metallica, you know, like there's, there's not a whole lot of bands that were the same four or five dudes as kids, you know, that are, that are still going now, you know, there's so they're, they're all, uh, you, you know, on their fifth guitar player and their third bass player. And, you know, some bands already have zero original members out there now. And then I guess that goes into, you know, what's more important, the members or the name, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world we're living in. Yeah, you know, for us, in Of Mice, it was always about the music. Like, when we, you know, after after AC told us he was leaving, one of the first things we did, maybe a week later, was we all got together in our rehearsal space and just started making noise. You know, we plugged in the amps and turned on the PA and 
polish the symbols. I don't know if you polish the symbols or not, but you know, and then we, we just started making noise. And as we were kind of doing that, then we started playing some of the old material and we all kind of looked at each other like, man, you know, this, these songs are so important, not just to us, but to, to fans, you know, all over the world. So if we can still bring these to them in a way that does honor to the songs, then we absolutely should. And a year later, you know, having it's crazy, man. If you would have told me 2017 would have turned out the way it turned out and that we would have a brand new album in January 2018 with the um, sort of momentum that we have going into this year, man, I'd probably tell you you were a liar, but that's just, that's kind of crazy. It's kind of the crazy nature of, of just life in general. Like you really never know what's going to happen tomorrow you know, or what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. But as long as you stay along for the ride, um, you can always be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going back to earlier with, you know, with your story alone, I think it's, um, just, just a crazy, like just trying to wrap my head around, you know, you kind of coming in as a, as a replacement bass player. And then a few years later, you're the front man. And, you know, like, I'm sure you never saw that coming. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a crazy world out there. It is, man. It is. What, uh, what, what did you grow up playing? What did you grow up singing? Um, man, a bit of everything. You know, I grew up as a kid listening to a lot of, um, you know, my mom grew up in the Bay area. So she listened to a lot of like funk and soul and R and B. And then my dad listened to a lot of, uh, you know, singer songwriter stuff like Cat Stevens, um, or, uh, Jim Croce or Simon and Garfunkel, you know, music like that. So I, music was always in my house. Um, I used to just love singing and playing to whatever was, was playing, you know? And so uh, just a bit of this, a bit of that. I think when I started in bands, when I was a teenager, I think Blink-182 when I was like 12, 13, like that, that's so obvious, you know what I mean? But like, they were definitely one of those bands that I saw, I saw young dudes with their instruments and I was like, man, I want that to be me and my friends, you know, the age old tale. <laughs> and then, and then, from, and then from, from there, the older I got, the more it was kind of, uh, you know, then it kind of went heavier into like kind of slipknot territory when I was like 12, 13, maybe. Um, and you've got, you know, you've got to tour with those of, guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. We toured with slipknot in, uh, in 2016. <laughs> How did that feel for you? There was, Oh man, it, that was great. That bill was insane. I remember looking at the poster and it was us, Marilyn Manson of Mice and Men. And I was like, man, when I was like 13, listening to this band and my mom was like, no, you gotta like, you gotta turn the shit off. Like, <laughs> I was like, look at me now. Like what I did, mom. <laughs> it, was really, it was really funny. I think, uh, I think Alan told me that, that his mom had called him and was like, you gotta be careful, son. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, like no, we're going on metal tour. There's always been like that that divide between the warp tour scene and like the metal scene. But I know a lot of the bands are kind of crossing over. And, the, and, and how are you? How are you taken upon that? I mean, because of Mice and Men for you know kind of came up in that MySpace world, and 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 now you're obviously you know you many years later, but branching out into you know Manson tours and and uh, Slipknot tours. How is that? How is that working out for you guys? Oh, uh, it's been awesome. You know, it's it's. I think we're finally getting to a point where the larger rock and roll and metal community is, is taking notice of this kind of thing that grew from the underground that grew from MySpace and blogging and social media. And, you know, it's, it, I think it's got to a point now where 
you know, there used to kind of be a, a, more of a dichotomy between what I call, quote unquote, the scene and festival world or whatever you'd call that. And it's so funny because if you, if you pit the music against one another, it's not really too different. But there was always kind of seen, I guess, this invisible wall that like these things need to be separate. But, you know, when we we kind of started breaking out of that, um, you know, in 2013 with the release of Restoring Force, you know, that was kind of the first time that that was the first time we'd ever got radio play. You know, our 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 uh, our label and our team was like, oh, by the way, guys, a couple of radio stations added your song, and we were like, what? <laughs> radio? Like people still listen to the radio? I don't even think I own a radio. Like I th- I have a radio in my car, but like, and it, it's but that is such a huge part of rock music, and always had is rock radio, and unfortunately, we've seen like a, a big downtick. You know, we've seen a lot of. Uh, hard rock stations turn into 90 stations or pop stations, if you will, you know, but, um, yeah. And so we, you know, with, with writing the songs and restoring force, we wanted, we definitely like, it was definitely a conscious decision to say, like, I want to try and write a song that can cross over into all of these festivals, you know, like into, into like the Danny Wimmer world and the stuff like that, where it's, um, things like rock on the range, you know, you talk about, uh, rock and roll being dead or whatever, but like, no, it's still alive and well, man, you just got, you got to go to the right festivals, you know? And I think we're finally getting to a point where people are understanding that you can be both. And we're, we're having a lot of bands now that debut and they're debuting songs on octane, but at the same time they are revered in the scene, you know? And I think at the same time, like it, for a long time, it was probably, it was probably our fault as pretentious scene kids when we were pretentious scene kids <laughs> for for not being more inclusive, I guess. I think about that all the time. I was like, man, like it always cracks me up. You know, I'll listen to like, I'll listen to some, uh, some podcasts and read some blogs that are very much about like the scene. And it's just these kids that are just like, shit talking these bands that nobody's ever heard of and and discussing like the different color variants and stuff and it's like it's so funny how like walled off the scene can be sometimes you know from the greater rock and roll community but i love i love it i love all of it because that was me i was that kid like i i definitely thought i definitely thought my opinion mattered way more when i was younger (laughs) No, i I definitely agree like I, i think you're you're turning 30 this year correct absolutely i hope you old man but uh no I, i'll be 40 in a couple of years and it's funny you know growing up in the new metal era you know my my quote-unquote scene i thought was was everything and you hate this band because these two bands once got in a fight so you have to pick a side and you know all that stuff and now that i'm pushing 40 it's like a good song's a good song and, and that's that's all i need to know that's all we have time for. Like, I don't have the energy to be combative over things that don't actually matter anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just don't have that strength. Nice. You're actually taking out some uh, some bands that are kind of in that uh, the new metal resurgence. I think uh, a band like Kane Hill and even uh, Fire from the Gods. Both those bands you guys are taking out soon. Both, uh, uh, well, Fire from the Gods have been on the podcast. Kane Hill has not, but uh, but yeah, we've uh, we love them over here. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, it's really important for us, too, as a band now that's on our fifth record to try and foster the scene, you know, try and bring out bands that we want our fans to listen to. You know, I think that um, 
I, you know, I remember that it used to always be, you know, you'd take out the bands that you want to take out because you wanted to see them and you wanted your fans to see them. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> it's all too common nowadays for tours to be booked based on these people bring this, these amount of people and these amount of tickets. And it becomes so much more about the numbers than it does about the actual show for us, you know, booking this, like we really, really, really wanted it to be about the show. And so we packed it full. There's five bands on it. There's a brand new female fronted band called Moscow. That's um, that debuted a bunch of material, I think over the summer or fall. Um, yeah, man, it's crazy. I'm just happy to be back at it. It's pretty crazy to think like in a week from now, we're going to be on tour. Yeah, it's always that, that, that was always fun. Actually, uh, Kane Hill, um, if you notice in some of their promo photos, wear a, uh, shir- a shirt by the band of Primer 55 that I was once a member of. So I always thought it was funny, nice. funny when their, uh, their, their promo photos started popping up a couple of years ago and uh, the guitar player was wearing one of our old shirts. And so when they came through here with, uh, with Devil Driver a while back, I, I took a s- stack of old stickers that I had laying around the house and I was like, it's like, if you really like Primer, here you go, bud. <laughs> <laughs> be like you own it now <laughs> there you go yeah you're 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 our you're our last fan left <laughs> what do you think about a band like slayer calling it quits after after so many years you know do... man you know like we, we were talking about that you know for a band to have such an iconic legacy and career i think while i'm absolutely saddened by it because they've you know they're a staple you know they're one of the big four so i think but, you know, the other part of me says, like, you know, they're on top right now. I mean, they're as on top as they've ever been. So maybe if that's where you want to call it, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm so far away from that. But every time I hear about that, I'm just like, wait, no, why? <laughs> and I understand, like, there's there's so many reasons. But I do. But I do. I, I always revert back to the inner fan in me. That's just like, wait, wait. But why, though? <laughs> Come on, Slayer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the puppy dog guys. But like, but why? <laughs> and one of your bass player singer brethren. You know, there you go. There you go. The Godfather. Well, it's actually kind of funny, man. And you keep referencing this as the fifth album. And it, and to me, I always want to say, like, still one of my favorite new bands. I still consider of Mice and Men a new band. And it's, I guess, on your fifth record, you really can't say that. But uh, man, I, I love the band. And uh, man, thanks for taking the time today. Oh man, it was an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed it. We got to do it again. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah. So, of mice and men, new album out called Defy, and my three-year-old loves it. By the way, he was he was running around the house saying Defy, and I was laughing. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Like some, you know, people can come at me all day for for quote unquote generic lyrics, but like that's what it's all about, man. It's all about being able to just understand what the hell you're talking about absolutely well aaron Polly, man thanks for taking the time be safe out there on the road and uh and tell those cane hill guys to uh to continue rocking some primer 55 gear hey, thank you so much brother and i will do that's an order
This is Rob Flynn from Machine Head, and you're listening to Talk To Me.
let's end it on a positive note. Did you see the uh, yeah. Gene Simmons popped up at the uh, the Rock and Roll Residency over the uh, over the over the Tuesday night last Tuesday night? Absolutely, and so jealous once again, just like the Vinny stuff. Although I saw far more people posting videos with their camera turned the proper way to fit your <laughs> they TV must screen. To your, yeah, you must go to the uh, the, the Vinny Vincent recap show for that. Baco's a wonderful uh, <laughs> argument. But I will say... Let's call, let's call it a rant. I will say that, that that was one thing I noticed. Even though I was watching a uh, camera phone shot video of the thing and enjoying it, the amount of cameras that were going... Like, no one was having fun at the show. Like, everyone was, like, basically just showing that they were there to their friends, but they weren't really there, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Kind of like the Tide Pod Challenge, you know what I mean? Uh, you and I grew up doing stupid crap, and but the, the difference is that like we did the stupid crap people five years older than us did, and five years older than them, and five years older than them. And we didn't do it because we wanted a like on social media. We did it because... But I don't really remember doing all, anything terribly stupid because I was a bit of a coward. But I saw plenty of it, you know what I mean? Uh I'm just saying now's a different time. It's 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 about likes. They're not even like doing anything that's an actual challenge, and then they call it a challenge. It's like bite into something you shouldn't bite into and call it a challenge. And that's kind of what we're dealing with with people like showing up at a concert and spending too much time, you know, not with their phone in their pocket or in their car or just at home and just going, "Fuck, this is awesome." Have you ever had a Tide Pod, though? Those things are fucking delicious. Oh, they are. They're really actually good. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I prefer them sautéed with a side of Brussels sprouts. Well, see, I like to make some toast, pop one of those bad boys open, spread it out there. Like oh. A, like a, oh, yum. You got to mix them up, though, because, you know, they're... they're uh, Half orange, half blue. But you got to get a, got to mix that up. <laughs> and, and half white. Yeah. That's good. Let's get the math people going. Uh, <laughs> half white, well, I know half what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow, Timmy. There you go. Take that challenge to the bank. Yeah. I will say someone like Sinzak, and I, you know, he'll probably listen to this and be like, "Wait a minute, I was filming." Someone like Sinzak, he's a media member, so you know, you he has Kiss fans that follow what he does. So he's basically. And it wasn't like two hours of the night. Yeah, you know, I so. mean it was it was the two shot two songs Gene did, and then I'm still gonna have gonna have fun. And I can tell by the video quality, he was probably holding the video camera just underneath his chin as he watched and enjoyed the moment because it was bouncy as hell. I mean, come on, Sinzak, well, get your was, head out of your ass. He was holding it under his chin and singing along with it, so that's what was making it bounce. So. Yeah, no, I, I didn't make it through more than 20 seconds of any of the videos I saw, uh, but I would have loved to have been there. But, hey, you know, uh, I'm sure people thought the same thing when Ace played in St. Paul here with Gene. So, right. uh, And uh, I guess I was a bigger dick because I don't think I shared it live. Uh, well, very cool, man. Well, Baco, thanks for taking the time tonight. Congratulations on your blabbermouth love. You're getting it out there and uh, getting the Thank name you. out there for you guys. And uh, I really enjoy the interviews you guys do. I, I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy 
you know, listening to what you guys talk about and, uh, and you know, you guys, you guys do some fun, fun interviews and always have great uh, topics. So make sure to definitely and right check back it. at you to me. You are one of the uh, one of my favorite interviewers uh, as far as podcasts go. And yeah, check. Just go to a Google machine, type in uh, Cobras and Fire podcast. We are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're everywhere that you don't want us to be because, I don't know, we're smug pricks and, I don't know, we, I think we end up looking dumber than we think we are. So, Yeah, so uh, let's see here. So make sure you uh, subscribe to this podcast, rate, to, rate the podcast, review the podcast. Thanks to everyone who's been purchasing uh, Talk To Me shirts over the, over the last couple of weeks. Been Ooh, s- nice. sending those out. That's always a good time. And uh, so if you'd like a Talk To Me shirt, I think I have a few larges left over. Uh, make sure to reach out to me on Facebook at Talk To Me Talk. Twitter is at Talk To Me Talk. Uh, email Talk To Me Talk at gmail.com. And you can always find us over at metalnexus.net slash talk dash to me for all the episodes. And so until next Thursday, I've been Joshua Toomey. That's been Baco. Thank you, Toomey. And uh, New Metal's not dead. You just can't find it. <laughs> you can't find it other than. Uh, sort of on the new machine head record.